Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 14th of the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. Absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. A quick recap of Saturday's broadcast. As you know, we are on the air live six days a week, Monday through Saturday on the Sabbath. We rest. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Uh, it's a sad day. Mr. Kurt Crosby decides to leave Liberty Roundtable Live. Sam Soldiers on. Our prayers are with Kurt. We welcome him back if and whenever he's ready. In the meantime, the Supreme Court denies the lawsuit by Texas and 18-plus other states. They wanted to nullify the results from four states. The Supreme Court said simply Texas did not have standing. Wow. I guess Amy Barrett joined the majority and simply said no standing for Texas. I, the question that I would have for the Supreme Court is if Texas doesn't have standing, if different state courts don't have or state issues don't have standing, who does have standing? Uh, and it seems to me whenever they don't want to deal with a complicated, quote, political case, they simply claim no standing. I would ask the court, who does have standing? Anybody? Any of us? What if I sued? Do I, the American people, have standing? Oh, no, I'm not in the one of the states that are so-called fraudulent or affected, right? Who has standing? Texas GOP Chairman Alan West suggests secession after SCOTUS rejected the lawsuit. So now we've got states talking openly about secession. Battle lines, sadly, are being drawn as 44 U.S. states pick sides in the election quote, Supreme Court showdown, is Rush Limbaugh right? He says America's headed for secession. Are we doomed to a political, cultural, and geographic split in America? Attorney General Bill Barr knew months ago, by the way, about the investigations into Hunter Biden's business dealings, but he kept the information from the people while Trump called for investigations. Why aren't we arresting people, folks? I just don't get it. Virginia Democrat whacked out Northam tells folks, you should stay out of church. You don't need to go to church to have God hear your prayers, he says. Well, he's right. Heavenly Father can hear our prayers wherever we are. He's right about that. But he's wrong when he thinks government can violate the First Amendment and prohibit the free exercise of religion. That's where he needs to be thrown in jail for his abuse of the law. More tech firms are leaving Silicon Valley. Yeah, they're starting to head to Utah and Texas and other places. Why? Because there's too many abusive draconian laws. There's too much regulation in liberal, whacked-out states like California. That's why. Just ask Disney if you don't believe me, huh? The Great Reset 
is not just a great conspiracy. It's happening before our very eyes. Operations Jubilee on fast track in America. We also talked about work from home threatens commercial real estate evaluations. Oh, boy. That's going to be an economic jubilee. I'll tell you that right now. Social credit scores, sad or live and well in America today. That was hour one of Liberty Roundtable Live. Hour two, we talked about Donald Trump doubles down, takes credit, promotes experimental vaccines. Shame on the president. Trump on vaccines goes from skeptic to cheerleader. What a sad day that is. Vaccines are here, folks, and so is the threat to your health. Worldaffairsbrief.com, Joel Skousen with that piece. Scientists who studied the DNA of nearly 3,000 coronavirus patients have come back now and said there's five genes. That if you have those five specific you know, gene markers, uh, then you're more likely to have coronavirus be severe. That's interesting. I guess they're uh, now talking about, can ivermectin treat the coronavirus? The answer is yes. But how come they're not talking about it? Because there's not big money in it. That's why. We also talked about a poll found that 85% of small business will need federal funds to stay afloat during the coronavirus. Yeah, they want to just gear you up all to be on the dole, don't they? Disney Plus, believe it or not, had 87 million subscribers. Yeah, a significant percentage of Disney Plus subscribers, about a third of them, believe it or not, are from India. We also talked about their updated growth forecast for Disney. Disney Plus, they'll reach 230 to 250 million people by 2025. Way, way faster growth than they projected. Time Magazine named Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as their, quote, person of the year. Yeah, everybody's slamming on them for that. Trump must nullify the fraudulent elections, people are saying. Others are saying Trump surrenders to the deep state. Do you believe that's all true? I don't know about all that, but we'll dig into a lot of subjects with our co-host riding shotgun today. Dr. Scott Bradley's in the house. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you very much. It uh, sounds like you covered a plethora of subjects, and is, since Kurt's not here to say it, I'll say other than that, everything's fine, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I didn't hear a lot of good news in there for anything. It's it's just uh, amazing the implosion that seems to be happening, and and uh, but we can't give up hope. I mean, this ain't done until it's done, and it's never going to be done in my mind because we've got to continue to seek. Well, my theme of my life seems to be to preserve the nation. <laughs> well, I will say this. The best news of it all is that we still have the liberty to report on it, sir. Well, it is indeed. The The big issue becomes, though, how um, the people, we the people, are truly responsible for where we take this country. We've, we've been blessed with that. I mean, right from the Declaration, it says the consent of the governed is required for everything, and the governed consented to be governed by a constitution when they ratified that thing. And, and since that time, we've been basically an avalanche of violation of that, and most of the people, it seems like, that are sitting in office at this time, uh, well, and quite frankly, it's at the local, the state, and the national level, as well as the individual people, there seems to be very, very, very little desire to get up and correct all of the things that are going bad. 
It's just astonishing well, to and me. There, and there even seems to be less of a desire to even understand it, much less uh, stand up for it. Uh, I believe most people don't even understand it. Let's start with the Electric College, for example. They're going to vote today. But you know what? How does the Electric College work? Let's dig into that just a little bit here, Dr. Bradley. But before we do, I want to highlight a couple of things about the Electric College and you know how it works, etc. Let me give you an example. There's this guy by the name of Erwin Kemerinsky, and he's dean of the law school at the University of California, Berkeley. He says, I'm very concerned about the Electric College. We are the only country in the world that thinks of itself as a democracy where the candidate who loses the popular vote could still win and become president. Okay, this is a dean, a guy that's supposed to understand and he runs around and says, hey, we're a democracy, and I don't understand why in a democracy we don't let the masses rule. And then he says, I think the Electoral College should be abolished and the winner of the popular vote should be president of the United States. This guy grossly misunderstands the incredible checks and balances that the founding fathers died and bled and gave everything for, sir. Well, uh, I guess it's appropriate that do, we do a little bit of a uh, step back in history kind of thing, because those that aren't willing to learn from history are going to repeat the problems. The uh, American founding fathers looked at government as a necessary evil. It was absolutely essential, but it had limits and bounds, and there was no, no authority to go beyond what was appropriate. And so the biggest problem they felt like with government was going to be the natural human tendency. It was, again, it was... The Constitution was created to resist the human tendency to accrue power until you can abuse power. So power abuse is, is a natural—I mean, uh, Lord Acton said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And Daniel Defoe, you know, oh, 80 years or so before the U.S. Constitution said all men would be tyrants if they could. And we we absolutely know that that is a tendency of human nature, and that is what the Constitution was designed to prevent, the abuse of power. And so uh, they divided and subdivided power as carefully and clearly as they possibly could. They had great shoulders to stand on, people like Montesquieu, Locke, and, and Blackstone that talked about how to make sure that they did as much as they could to prevent power from being abused. Okay, now what does all this have to do be, with... Before uh, you go on, let me explain this critical balance the Founding Fathers worked so hard to achieve. On one hand, you need to give enough power to prevent a vacuum uh, in power where uh, a greater force will take over. So you've got to create something strong enough to prevent a more evil force from taking over. Even though government is a necessary evil, uh, if we put it together properly, the idea from the Founders was, hey, if we acknowledge God, if we put together fundamental principles... If we strike this incredible balance between enough power to prevent a greater power from taking over or creating a vacuum of power where another power could take over by force, let's have it be strong enough to resist that, but not strong enough to concentrate power. But when we get back, Dr. Scott Bradley will start right there. Hopefully that'll set the stage for a discussion. But that's why the founding fathers understood the need for government. If they didn't have it, a greater force would take over and you'd have a Worst government. In other words, you're going to have somebody in charge. Who will it be and how? Liberty Roundtable Live with Dr. Scott Bradley. Freedom's Rising Sun. Dot com. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? 
To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Dr. Scott Bradley, I wanted to kind of highlight that proper balance. Uh, they call it the proper role of government for a reason. Uh, we want to prevent uh, some greater force from taking over. How do you give the government enough power to accomplish that, but yet make sure the government doesn't get so much power they can continue to concentrate power for their own political uh, advantage and or gain? And that was really the balance the founders worked so hard to achieve. Why don't we start there, sir? Okay, so actually uh, this idea of power was, was central to the whole theme of the Constitution. It is a Republican form of government. It's not a democracy, as the good dean that you quoted earlier would have us believe. And the fact of the matter is that they sought most diligently. If you start with the first Federalist paper and go to the 85th Federalist paper, salted all the way through there is the um, assurance that uh, what has been created is a republic. The fourth article says it's a republic. In fact, uh, Hamilton wrote both the first and the 85th Federalist Paper, and he says, if we haven't proved that it's a republic, you better reject the whole Constitution. This was to be a representative form of government that had limits and bounds and checks and balances, delegated powers, enumerated powers, all those kinds of things, and they, the Americans have largely forgotten that. Well, let's go back to this separation of powers thing for a minute. The, the people were to be represented at the national level, the, the uh, general government level, by a direct election of their congressmen. The states were to be represented by the appropriate way that they selected the senators. The states had a seat at the table. And when it came time to elect the president, well, at least to define how the president was to be elect elected, the founders said, well, we've got to separate the sources of power. 
Because if you had a source of power that was uh, overabundantly represented, if you will, that that source of power would become ultimately the tyranny. So now you can read about this in Federalist 39, uh, about the, the way they divided the sources of power. You can read about it in St. George Tucker's book, A View of the Constitution of the United States. But the fact of the matter is that when they went to the president, they said, well, should we elect him directly? No, no, we've already got people doing that in the House. Should, should the states elect him? No, no, we can't do that. The, the states are already represented in the Senate. Should we have the legislature do it? I mean, they had all sorts of debates, and they took a lot of discussion and, and votes on how to do this. And then they found kind of an interesting, uh, what they called a compound source, um, uh, so they they decided on what they t- was to be the uh, a mix of the states and the people, and that when when Hamilton wrote about this in the Federalist paper, he says, you know, this is the only thing in the whole Constitution that didn't raise the ire of of opponents. It, it was found by everybody to be acceptable, and so the states and the people were to be in a compound source. That's what they called it. The executive powers derived from a very compound source. So they, uh, in Hamilton's uh, 39th, as well as in the view of the Constitution, the immediate election of the president is to be made by the states and their political character. The vote allotted to them in a compound ratio, which considers them partly as distinct and co-equal societies, partly as unequal members of the same societies. So there was to be a blend which allowed the large states, the small states, and the the population, as well as the states, to have their entities. And this Electoral College was the thing that was basically celebrated by all as being the right approach to elect a president that was to be a president for the entire United States. It sounds like a complex thing. We can review in the the second article how they defined it. We can review in the 12th uh, Amendment how it changed. Uh, When they did the 12th Amendment, we can review again the 20th Amendment how it changed. But the fact of the matter is, it was to prevent an accrual of power either in one office or by sources of power. And and in the 51st Federalist paper, we can read what Madison wrote. He said, the great security against a gradual concentration of the several powers in the same department consists in giving to those who administer each department the necessary constitutional means and personal motives to resist encroachments of the others. The provision for defense must in this, as in all cases, be made commensurate with the danger of attack. Ambition must be made to counteract ambition. The interests of the man must be connected with the constitutional rights of the place. So every office was to defend uh, their territory, if you will, from encroachment by others. And, and so we have in Federalist 47, Madison talks about the accumulation of powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary in the same hands, whether one, a few, or many, whether hereditary, self-appointed, or elective, may be justly pronounced the very definition of tyranny. So it was about power. And, and this electoral college is a magnificent device that gives uh, a, the broadest spectrum of separation of powers that they can from the electoral process. And these calls to get rid of the electoral college would basically place in the hands of about 15 to 18 states the entire process of electing the president because of the large population areas. And, and in fact, mostly it would be in large metro areas, states like 
know, Utah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota. I mean, you mentioned all the states that are of lesser population would completely lose their seat at the table, which they already have, by the way, largely in the in the way we've done the the mess that we put into effect with the 17th Amendment and the way the senators are elected. But this was by design. This electoral college was well-conceived, well-thought-out, and, and they basically reviewed what history had shown. You know, the tenth, you read the 10th Federalist Paper about how Madison so eloquently talked against democracy. And what Americans are lo- losing now is, is this great separation of power. They're losing. And this is where I would speak out against the professor and say that's the exact reason we have the Electoral College. That's the exact reason we have states versus federal. That's the exact reason that we have all these checks and balances, vertical and horizontal, is because we are clearly not a democracy. The Founding Fathers called it a grand old experiment because they, they had created a, a unique system that had never been tried before, but putting together all the principles they could find that would create checks and balances. They didn't seek for power. They seek to pull it down. They seek to divide power in meaningful, productive ways that each group would have the ability to protect their own positions and their own uh, delegated authority based on the consent uh, of the governed. So the Electoral College was established in Article 2, Section 1 of the U.S. Constitution. And let me explain it very carefully. The Electoral College determines who is the winner of the presidential election. That's why when Joe Biden has been claiming he's the winner, and all the mainstream networks and everybody else have been complaining or saying that Joe Biden is the winner, the Electoral College, the other side of the vote that makes us a republic, not a democracy, hasn't even voted yet. In fact, that vote is today, Doctor. Well, indeed it is, and, and it, there's an interesting nuance about in, in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, each state shall appoint in the manner as the legislature thereof may direct the number of electors. And that's the equal to the senators and the congressmen that are representing that state. So in the home state of Utah that I live in, it's uh, two senators, which is what every state has, and however many congressmen. There's four. So right now there's four, votes. but we should, at least if we follow the Constitution, we should have a whole lot more than four, speaking of appropriate representation, by the way. Well, indeed, that is true. And, and the 435 congressman that is currently the established number. It's legislatively established. It did not follow the original intent of the American Founding Fathers. Right now, every congressperson represents about, in round numbers, about 650,000 people. And by the way, when they set forth the proposed amendments to go with the Bill of Rights, they sought to exactly specify how many people would be represented by their congressperson. And uh, there were 12 proposed amendments that came out on September 26, 1789, that were sent to the states. Ten of them were ratified by, uh, well, in fact, it'll be tomorrow will be the anniversary, except, uh, December 15, uh, 1791, uh, that there were ten of those amendments. It did not include two of the amendments. One of, one of the amendments languished for 200 years, then was passed, uh, but the other one that's still out there seeks to bring about an original intent process for how many legislators would be in the Congress, and, and we would go down to like 50,000 people being represented by Congress. But, but that's another side vote on this. But thing. even but back in, in the day, constitutionally speaking, they talked about 35,000, right? Yeah, well, 30,000. 30,000, I think okay. was the number. But at any rate, the point of the matter being that um, uh, 
under our current status of, of how many congresspersons are associated with each state, California has two senators, as do all, as we said, and they have uh, they have 53 congresspersons. Okay, so there's 55 electoral votes in, in uh, California. There's 29 in New York. There's, I mean, you could go through the whole list, but in Utah, uh, there, there's six because of the way we have four congress and two senators. The point of the matter being, though, that that, that group has not met. Oh, but I started to get off on this tangent about the states decide how they... Hold on, we'll get the there in a second, ladies and gentlemen. Hang tight. There's 538 delegates to the Electoral College, three from D.C. as well, I might add. We'll get to that Correct. in a second. Dr. Bradley with us. Freedom's Rising Sun.com. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. An armed suspect has been fatally shot by police after opening fire at a Christmas concert outside the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine in Harlem, New York. NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea says a man shouted, kill me, and fired multiple shots just outside the doors of the church. Three NYPD officers almost immediately engaged the gunman. The identity of the deceased gunman has not been released. No one else was reported to have been hurt. The FBI is investigating a breach into the Treasury and Commerce Departments by a Russian group known as Cozy Bear. The same group hacked the Democrat National Committee in 2015. It's unclear how long hackers have been monitoring internal emails at the department. Spokesman says the United States government is aware of these reports and are taking all necessary steps. The Cleveland Indians baseball team will remove the nickname they've used for 105 years. The Cleveland baseball team is expected to announce plans early this week. The team has not decided on a new moniker. USA Radio News. Newsmax TV is exploding and everyone's talking about it. Now a survey finds that 30 million Americans are watching Newsmax TV all the time. Millions are turning off Fox and President Trump says he loves Newsmax. So watch it and make sure you vote in Newsmax's national poll asking about President Trump conceding the election. It takes a minute. Just text the word NORTH to 39747 and vote instantly. President Trump wants to know your opinion. So text NORTH to 39747 and vote instantly in Newsmax's poll. Plus, watch Newsmax TV with great shows, including Dick Morris, Rudy Giuliani, Michelle Malkin, Diamond and Silk, Mike Huckabee, Greg Kelly, Sean Spicer, and more. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. Check your guide or tell your cable operator you want Newsmax like everyone else. Watch Newsmax TV today and vote in their big poll on Trump. Text NORTH to 39747 and let your voice be heard. The new Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine started shipping out Sunday, with the first shots being administered as early as Tuesday. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford University tells Fox who should be getting the shots first. We want to minimize the mortality from this disease. How do we do that? We find the people who are most likely to die if they get infected and then give the vaccine to them. Minimize mortality. Use the vaccine to minimize mortality in the short run and then end the lockdown. Don't let politics get in the way. Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine goes to the FDA Advisory Committee on Thursday. Sexual harassment allegations have been levied against Democrat New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. The allegations surfaced in a series of tweets Sunday from Lindsey Boylan, who worked as Cuomo's Deputy Secretary for Economic Development and a special advisor from 2015 to 2018. She said, quote, many saw it and watched. This was the way for years. A spokesperson for the governor told the Associated Press there is simply no truth to these claims. 
From the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. We are USA Radio News. The Electric College vote is today, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we say, hey, you know what? You can't say Joe Biden is president-elect. Yeah, the people have voted. That's the popular side. But we don't have a democracy, thank heavens. We have a constitutional republic. And the Electric College votes today. How do we say that we got a president-elect when the Electric College hasn't voted? I submit to you that it's ignorance by those who oftentimes don't understand the Electric College and why the checks and balances are put in place and or outright attempt to obliterate it and turn us into a democracy for power and gain. But understand that your vote does affect what the Electric College vote does to a great degree. Now, the Electric College is made up of uh, 538 delegates. All right, two senators from every state, the congressperson from every state, if you will, uh, along with three from District of Columbia. And the total number of electors represent each state. Folks, when we vote for president, we're actually voting for, one, our own popular vote, but two, voting for the electors of our states to go vote for the president. Dr. Bradley, you were talking about the critical role the states play, sir. Well, indeed, and, and the, the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, says specifically that the state legislators decide how that's to be, and they don't have to turn it over to the people. They don't have to have a popular vote at all. It's the state legislators. And, and this is a, a critical thing in the whole, I mean, this rejection by the, by the Supreme Court and everything, this is all cast into question. Let me give you three little brief statements by George Washington in his farewell address that I think are pertinent. We've got to be specific and exact in, address, in, in addressing these things. At one point in his farewell address, he says, the Constitution, which at any time exists, till changed by an explicit and authentic act of the whole people, and by the way, that's outlined in Article 5, how you change the Constitution, authentic act of the whole people is sacredly obligatory upon all. The very idea of the power and the right of the people to establish government presupposes the duty of every individual to obey the established government. So they take an oath to do this. Let's stop. just jump over to another little close-by point. He said, resist with care the spirit of innovation upon its principles, however specious the pretexts. One method of assault may be to effect in um, forms of the Constitution alterations which will impair the energy of the system and thus to undermine that undermine what cannot be directly overthrown. So they're saying, don't mess with this. You'll ultimately overthrow it. And then just one other little quick statement, and I know that time is always short. He says, if, in the opinion of the people, the distribution or modification of the constitutional powers be in any particular wrong, emphasize that word because it doesn't mean if we get a different opinion, but if it's wrong, let it be corrected by an amendment in the way which the Constitution designates. But let there be no change by usurpation, for though this in it, one, one instance may be the instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. Okay, so what's at stake here is how the Electoral College is being affected by changes made by courts and by executive order in some of these states. The legislature did not make these changes as required by Article 2, Section 1 of the United States Constitution. These changes of these states that are being challenged were made by court order or by executive decree. 
none of which is authorized in the Constitution. Or sometimes, sometimes bipartisan politics where the Republican or Democratic Party makes rules that obliterate some of this, and they're not even part of the government. I don't know if people understand that, but the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, they're not even government, right? Correct. There are private institutions that, that uh, have unfortunately risen to power against the advice and counsel of the founders. And, and I but bring that up because they have tremendous sway and manipulation, and they shouldn't either. Again, this is where we're, we're breaking down the intelligence of the checks and balances and the brilliance of the consent of the governed uh, that we delegated this authority and this power in an effort to divide power, to prevent power from being used against the people. That was the intent. And these parties obliterate a lot of that power uh, and the appropriate consent and delegation as well, sir. Absolutely. And as George Washington said, don't do it by guess and by golly if you change these things. This must be done by an authentic act, and that authentic act did not occur. It didn't occur by the legislatures, assuming the, the way that uh, electors, electors would be chosen, and it did not occur at, at any time, by the way, any of this was happening. The people have, have lost as their consent has been withdrawn, in effect, by the way that the Constitution is being violated. And so here's, oh, as George Washington said, sometimes this might sound like a good idea to make some changes just for, oh, man, it's it's got to be done. He said, don't do that. That's the instrument that you think is going to be good. It's the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. And so they're using the excuse, oh, man, COVID came along this 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 Nazi germy, which is overthrowing the freedom of our country. It's a little germ that, that everybody is so terrified. I mean, you know, you got the COVID cowards that are out there and everything. But at any rate, they said, we've got to change the way we select our electors because nobody should have to go in and vote, blah, 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 blah. But that is not the established process. The legislature did not establish it. And so by court decree, by political in- in- intrigue, if you will, the palace intrigue, and by executive order, the, they changed the selection of electors. And so, so the, that was the crux of the argument that Texas was bringing forth against the states that had done these things. And they said they corrupted the, the election and thereby affected not only our state, but by inference, everybody else in the nation. And, and there's been a, 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 an abandonment, if you will, of the process that is defined in the Constitution. And the cowards in the the Supreme Court, now we can review why I think some of them came to this justification in their minds, but they refused to take what what was specifically said in Article 3 of the United States Constitution, which says if you have controversies between states, that that goes directly to the Supreme Court. And, And so they, and we'll read out of it, Article 3, Section 2, about halfway down in the first clause, it says, that they would, well, uh, let's begin with the first uh, sentence of Section 2, the judicial power extend in all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, blah, 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 to controversies between two or more states. Okay? Now, what's happened is is a violation also of Article 4 of the United States Constitution. My opinion, again, and, and uh, I try to think a lot about these things, but again, you can say you're not the Supreme Court or anything like that, But Article 4, Section 4 says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them from invasion, etc. 
Okay. Now stop. The when Republic- you have vote fraud and popular vote and you say it takes the cake and we're going to declare a winner before the Electoral College, the check and balance even has the chance to vote. Now you're getting that very thing that we're talking about, right? Well, absolutely. And here's the deal. This, is, this uh, Republican form of government is clearly defined as a constitutional republic with representatives fulfilling assigned duties according to what the Constitution establishes. You can't, by guess and by golly, decide we're going to do it differently and have it be that form of thing. And you and can't what, run around and claim we're a democracy and pretend we're a democracy and act like the popular democracy, uh, you know, mob rules scenario. There are laws. For example, okay, most of us don't even know who our, our electors are unless we've done our research, okay? But I don't know if people understand this. You got to have 270 electoral votes to become president. Well, the state parties appoint electors to cast the ballots on behalf of the people. These are the parties that aren't even government, right? That is correct. And, and basically, what happens. So, on its face, you really should be able to sue and say these parties are putting electors up. Uh, but it should be the state legislative bodies, not based on partisan politics. The parties should have nothing to do with it for them to do so. Uh, they don't have any consent from the government. That's election fraud. But that's another topic. Yeah, indeed it is. We, we're pulling on so many strings here. We've got so many rabbit holes to go down. But the fact of the matter is there is a way to unsort this. And it's through a lot. You know, you, there's all sorts of, you know, we're all over the field right now. We are throwing mud against the wall and splattering everywhere and everything. And people are going, oh, my goodness, this is so confusing. I can't follow this. But there is a process where you can take a string and pull it to the end, take another string and pull it to the end. And it's done in an unpassionate way. And the courts would have been a good place to, to hear this kind of discussions. Because you've got, on the one hand, the lame brain media that are promoting one thing and others like myself, for example, that are saying, okay, let's look at this Federalist paper. Let's look at this clause in the Constitution and so on. Let's but go back a, to in the a, intent of the founders for guidance would be the good doctor's prescription. Now, I want to absolutely. add before you go on, Dr. Bradley, this really important point, I believe, and that is this. I agree the nation's all over the map on this thing. Everybody's throwing mud in the wall to see where it sticks. But I would simply go back and say, folks, if we understand the checks and balances that our founders gave us, if we apply the principles they put in place with absolute fidelity, that, in my opinion, would stop all the confusion. And it kind of starts with a question like this that the good doctor can get to when we come back and then carry it forward. Why do we even have the Electric College? Answer, because we're not a democracy and because we want the rule of law. And because we don't want power concentrated in the few at the expense of the many. We'll talk about it. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. 
Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to defendapatriot.com. Defendapatriot.com. is being transferred to the listening ear. Listening professionals dedicated to hearing you. Hello, listening ear. Who am I listening to? Um, Carrie, but I was calling my mom. Yes, you were, but your mom was so busy she felt it was important for you to have someone who could completely focus on listening to you and you alone. So she subscribed to our service. Go ahead, I'm listening. Well, I'm not quite sure. Where to start? Well, I can listen to school issues like science projects. I can listen to boy problems, although that's an extra $3 per call because of the emotional drain on me. How about we start with how you wish you had made cheerleader? I didn't try out for cheerleader. Uh, this is isn't uh, Mary? Carrie. I'm Carrie. Oh, oh, sorry. There is no substitute for a loving parent. And when you really listen, love is what they'll hear. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Scott Bradley with me to preserve the nation, his collegiate series and book to preserve the nation. That's what he's been about his whole life. Freedomsrisingsun.com is website. Check out his collegiate series and his incredible weekly webinars, Q&As on the Constitution and more. But the doctor's in the house with the propaganda for the mainstream press and bureaucrats and politicians using the word democracy over and over and over. It's really started to get a lot of really influential people saying, why do we even have the electoral college anyway? Get rid of that sucker, man. All it's doing is interfering with everything. And hey, in the George Bush case and in the many other cases, it hasn't even brought the right president to power anyway. In fact, the popular vote um, voted for Donald Trump back in 16. And man, Trump became president because of that stupid electoral college here against the will of the people. And this propaganda by many that are ignorant, but by some that are intentional, they're destroying the checks and balances here, doctor. So why the electoral college at all? Well, again, as we started out, it was a, a method and a process by which there was a separation of powers and sources of powers, and they're clearly delineated in the Constitution. But it, but it's interesting to me, and, and perhaps we, I mean, I, I like to go to the Declaration of Independence and, and use it as today's news today and read it in the, in the context of what's happening today and the violations that are occurring, and we can talk about the laws of nature and nature's God. The Founding Fathers were big on that. That was God. That was the divine creator. This was not some volcano that you threw people into to, you know, get rid of the anger of the God. This was, and, and you can go back and look at Montesquieu and, and, and Locke and Blackstone, for example, on, on the or origins of these statements. But the fact of the matter is, we look to natural law, and these natural laws we're looking for the preservation of the of the rights of the people that God gave us. That's the purpose of government. But so, I mean, again, I'm, there's so many things to talk about, but let's just, I mean, if I could, just briefly bring up some things that I believe that um, are, are enumerated in the, in the Declaration as under the offenses of the king that are recurring today. Uh, so the, the point, ladies and gentlemen, is look back to original intent— the situation the founders found themselves in, and then uh, look at it from our lens of modern day and the situation we find ourselves in, but grab on to appropriate principles along the way, right? Absolutely. And, and the fact of the matter is they're clearly defined if people would just take the time to learn them. 
let's look at what's going on right now and, and kind of liken this to why the revolution occurred in 1776. Actually, it started before that, but we can go into that another time. The king has obstructed the administration of justice. If justice is not being done because we have violated the principles, then, well, then we're in the same boat here. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution. Absolutely. If we're violating our Constitution, it is, it's, it's foreign to the Constitution. That's happening right now. There have been pretended acts of legislation. That's in, in number 13 also in, in the offenses of the king. There's, I mean, whether you're talking about COVID mandates that aren't really legislation, or you're talking about changes to the electoral college process that really were never legislated. It's pretended acts of legislation becoming some executive declared it or a court did. Uh, we're being uh, having the problem of of our in number twenty one. He's altered or it's being altered fundamentally the forms of our government. Our form of our government is fundamentally being altered by the approaches happening and corruption. It would appear there's a lot of evidence. I would like to see the strings be pulled on in a very logical, reasonable process that happens in a kind of a linear step-by-step and weave it all together again in the tapestry rather than, than you know, just what the lame brain media is declaring and so on without having any opportunity to hear the truth based upon a dispassionate approach to things. So all of these are fundamentally altering our forms of government, and, and the people that are uh, hyperventilating about, oh, we've got to hear the will of the people. Well, the will of the people is not how this thing is to be decreed. And, and there's a defined process, and it's not being followed. Now, let's be clear. The will of the people is part of the recipe. People sure. have their, their opinion expressed to the popular vote. Then they have the ability to... Uh, through their legislators, vote for those who are legislators, then they vote for those who are put on the uh, delegates for the Electoral College, you have an influence, folks, but you only have a tempered influence because of the checks and balances. And that's something to understand, and that's kind of why I say that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party putting up the delegates is a problem uh, because the Constitution Party or many other parties or independent Americans are left out of the mix that way. The people they tried to vote for who didn't win never got a chance, so it disenfranchises a lot of uh, the will of the people. But understand that your influence was meant to be felt, but not absolutely. There was a tempering intention there that truly articulates what a constitutional republic is. And that's what we're talking about here, Doctor. Let's talk for just a minute about the the electors. Uh, They're not to be political hacks. The intention of the American Founding Fathers but these were well-seasoned, well-reasoned individuals that were to look at the character of the individuals that were up for vote. And, and the idea was, you know what, this is, we need a president of the whole United States. We don't need a partisan political hack to be in the presidency. We need someone that is going to basically stand for the dignity of the office and, and the, to, to the representation, if you will, as the head of state for the whole world. And so they they were these electors were to be chosen as defined by the state legislators as individuals that would choose wise and good and honorable individuals that were honest. But what has as you've alluded to in your discussion, what happens is let's just take the state of Utah for example. If you go to your your Utah Republican convention 
they choose, in Utah's case, six electors there that, uh, that they're going to put up if the Republican gains the uh, majority of the votes in Utah. The Democrats do the same thing, the Constitution Party, the Libertarians, the Greens, everybody does the same thing. They choose six electors. And it's a winner-take-all system. That's the way the, ele- the uh, legislature has defined it at this time, in deference to the parties, which was never the intent. Now, there's if only two we, states that, that delegate theirs more proportionately, though. I can't remember what the names are, correct. but there's two states. That is correct. But in most states, it's a winner-take-all kind of situation. And it's chosen by the, these corrupt private entities called political parties that are putting forth a, an agenda. And this idea... And let me, let me just add here, this is why I say to you that we can't just have a cow now when we see election fraud. They've been building on this election fraud step by step by step by step for decades. Instead of voting electors uh, as they should, and instead of voting for senators as they should through the state legislative bodies, now they've turned it into a, a, a party system hack where these groups that aren't even part of your government that don't have the consent of the governed uh, via election via your influence felt, if you will. Uh, These parties do whatever they want to do. They're private entities that have no authority. And so this is why I say step by step by step, we've lost control of this process. We can't just come back now and go, oh, by golly, it's horrible. They went off the rails. Wait a minute. They've been going off the rails for decades, and we should have stopped it back then. There is a way back, but it's not an emergency panic solution. Uh, It is a restoration that takes time and education, doctor. Well, in, indeed it is, and, and here's the situation. The the political, uh, most of your listeners are probably never, well, maybe yours are a little more politically active than many, but, but most of the people out there in, have never been to a, a political convention, like for Republican Party or Democrat Party or whatever. And so they've never watched the process of how the electors are selected within the political parties. They choose these, they have a beauty contest in the political parties as to who's going to be the one that's standing with the party agenda, et cetera, et cetera. They get elected in, in the party process in a limited convention kind of thing. There's no general election for electors, for example. There isn't, you don't have a, a line on the ballot in your, in your uh, election that says, who would you select as electors? And, and the electors are supposed to be, they were intended to be by the American founders, people that, that were well and soundly founded in, in principle and character and honesty and wisdom and so on and so forth. And they were to pe- select the individual that would best be the president of the United States based upon all the issues that are out there and not some political hack issue that happens at every level on the political parties now. So we've been corrupting this uh, for, I mean, almost from the very beginning. You look at the 12th Amendment that came out, and and it was a result of a a partisan effort that had happened in the election that Jefferson was first elected in. And and so these things, and by the way, the 12th Amendment really fostered the creation of parties, unfortunately. I don't think that was the intent of those that created the 12th Amendment, but but that has been the outcome of, you know, the best intended processes sometimes go wrong. Yeah, we're too busy. Instead of applying the principles that make America great, we're too busy second-guessing them and deciding that we know better. Instead of understanding the intent of the founders, we want to make changes for fixes. We want a new uh, plan, a better mousetrap. And what we need to understand is the principles the founders put in place were absolutely brilliant in their delivery and in their understanding. The checks and balances really did checkmate power seekers 
But well, it only checkmates power seekers if we don't. Uh, I mean, if we apply it, if we don't apply it, uh, they're not checkmated anymore, sir. Well, again, as, as President Washington said in his farewell, don't be changing these things by guess and by golly. And, and, and the, the fact is they need to be changed by an authentic act. It's, and the, we, the people, are responsible. And, and I could give you quote after quote after quote of, of the founding um, concepts that were brought forth. And according to the words of the founders, they felt the hand of God, the finger of God, providence was involved in it. They felt this spirit of liberty that was among them and they put these things together by well, well-reasoned debate and discussion, and, and these things have been abandoned based upon ignorance. And again, we've got to go back to this uh, as the original intent, and the American people need to understand it. Not only debate uh, and discussion, but we need to clearly understand by inspiration as well. Not only did they feel God's hand was in it, but they felt his guidance as they discussed and as they worked through and they came to their compromises or where and when to hold the line. It goes on and on and on, but they talk over and over and over in their journals and, and quotes about um, the influence they felt that, you know what, this was beyond my normal abilities. And I mean, they go on in their explanations. We need to not underestimate that reality as well. Absolutely essential that, that the hand of God was upon this nation. And again, John Adams said, you know, the Constitution was only for a moral and a religious people. And we could spend probably the next hour talking about our uh, divergence from that path, because we really do, and, and it was the intent of America. Americans originally, largely, this was a very widely held position, that Americans we're a modern-day Israel, and I'm not talking about a state of Israel that's a secular state in, in the Middle East. I'm talking about Israel as it was defined by God. In other words, it's God's people, if you will. Right, and we were a, a people that were chosen, and we were a covenant people. That was the idea. And again, the, the, the um, Mayflower Compact talks about building the covenant with God right from the very beginning of the, of the landing. And God was brought into the formula. We were to be a people that God could bless, and that we had a covenant to obey His commandments and His covenants, and we would be watched over because of that. And we've strayed so far, and like I said, we can And we'll talk about all, the, about all the attempts for solutions right now in what they call a crisis. But I'm telling you right now, if we bring God back into that formula, if we realize we're a covenant people and we keep our end of the covenant, if you will, God always keeps His ends, then we're going to be just fine. If we don't, ladies and gentlemen, We've got trouble, and I'm not trying to be negative with that statement. I'm trying to give you a reality check and point to the solutions. Hour one in the can. You are listening to Dr. Scott Bradley, his collegiate series, To Preserve the Nation. His website, freedomsrisingsun.com. Hour one in the can, two coming up. For Sam and Dr. Bradley, we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for December the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our two of two. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio. 
Kirk Crosby's not with the broadcast anymore. Lowell Nelson's on vacation, but he'll be back. We have extended time going forward planned for Dr. Scott Bradley and Lowell Nelson and many others. So expect that to happen. First hour we had on Dr. Scott Bradley with us, freedomsrisingsun.com is website. And we talked about the electric college. They're voting today. How does the electric college work? What was the intent? Why the electric college, etc.? We discussed it in detail last hour. The need for the electric college is critical because of the checks and balances that our founding fathers so wisely uh, put in place, ladies and gentlemen. We are not a democracy. I don't care which college professor tells you that. They're lying to you. Either that or they're completely ignorant, don't know which, don't care. But their manipulation of the truth, words mean things, folks. Their manipulation of the truth does matter. Because when you think we're a democracy, you think that the power of the people is all there is. Popular vote is the only thing that matters. That's not true. Okay, your vote was supposed to matter. You were supposed to have an influence, without a doubt. But the democracy intent was to be tempered. So are there democratic principles in our constitutional republic? Yes, along with many other principles. But let's understand, your vote matters, without a doubt, but your vote was meant to be tempered. Okay, your vote was meant to have checks and balances against it so that one state didn't have too much power. We didn't have the big states with too much power and the small states to not have a seat at the table or vice versa. The checks and balances are designed to give everybody uh, appropriate reality. In other words, fair weight, if you will. With that summary, though, now people believe we have a constitutional crisis on our hands. And I believe we're certainly dangerously coming close to disassembling the greatest country on the face of the earth. The founders felt like there was a source above government that was God. And they appealed to that God. And we became a covenant people. And the covenant people must keep our covenant if we want to keep our country. If we keep our covenant, we will be blessed with liberty and safety. And if we don't keep our covenant, which is turn to God and keep his commandments, if we don't keep the checks and balances in place designed to restrict power, to not seek for power, but to pull it down, then we're in serious trouble. And that's not meant to be a negative statement, but it is meant to be a reality check for we the people. So ladies and gentlemen, this hour, the good doctor remained with me. And I want to talk about a lot of these proposals. President Trump lost the Supreme Court decision. And everyone's in a frenzy to decide what to do. I have ideas of what can be done, but they're not as immediate. They're not as drastic as other proposals. So let's talk about a couple of the proposals on the table, doctor. Uh, and then we can talk about what we believe the real solution to be. First, some are saying, can Trump just cite massive evidence of fraud in the presidential election to nullify the November 3rd popular vote? And order a new elect, order a new elect, uh, election uh, requiring valid ID, and just circumvent the courts and say, "Listen, I have the power here. I'm not going to allow fraud to happen." That's one idea. Some are saying it can happen by executive order. He can basically go ahead and say, "Oh no, you got foreign interference in our votes. Therefore, by executive order, I set up a decree to reject this vote." Um, some are saying that Trump can get a reversal in Congress. Trump allies think they can engineer this. Uh, and Congress can go ahead and, and roll it back and then let Congress decide. Sidney Powell says Trump could trigger 2018 executive order. It's going to blow the mind of every citizen in the country. Joe Kovacs writes that piece but highlights Sidney Powell's proposal. You think the election is over? Think again. Janet Porter reveals, quote, the Trump card in an executive order on foreign interference. Uh, Janet Porter is a president of Faith to Action. 
She's the architect of the pro-life heart bill or heartbeat bill. She also hosts her own radio show. Uh, others are saying we can have a petition. All we got to do is have a petition to the White House. Petition, quote, we the people of the United States request President Trump invoke an insurrection act to take back our republic and the military. Um, I appreciate the efforts of everyone, but I personally find all those solutions lacking and somewhat ignorant of the truth, Doctor. You know, it's interesting. We could we could talk at length about each one of those things, and there certainly is not enough time to do so. But uh, let me just, a couple of things. I want people to settle in their mind a little bit. First of all, have you ever been lied to by the government? And I think everybody has to say, huh, when have we not been? I mean, uh, whether it's the Kennedy assassination or the 9-11 report or, or the uh, weapons of mass destruction in in Iraq, we've taken some momentous actions based upon falsehoods that have been told to us. That's number one thing to think about. Number two is that whatever happens, we know will ultimately be repeated by someone that you may not think is absolutely a stellar performer. Let's just take, uh, for example, you may think that a given person would would never abuse power. They would never do the wrong thing. They would do the right thing, and it happens to be the line that you think ought to be done. But I assure you that power will flip at some point, and the power that's exercised by your favorite individual will ultimately be used against you by someone else. And that's why we have uh, these processes in place that are defined and they're, they're specific and they're exact in the way they be carried out. And this idea that, oh, if enough people petition the president, we can we can overthrow something. Well, what if enough Marxists petition the president? Let's say you got a hundred thousand signs on the petition, and they got a million. Suddenly, are we to become a Marxist regime? Or let's if, just say, or, hold on, or let's just say that they have the same hundred thousand you have, except they're more influential people that already have. Uh, seeked for and found favor with power, so their vote matters more than yours, even though the numbers are the same. See, we have the Absolutely. same problem, but the point is still the same. And, and you know, people go back to the to the uh, Magna Carta, you know, in, in 1215, and point sixty one says you got you've got the right of redress, and that means if you complain, you get it addressed, and you can do anything, including burn down the castle if you want, in order to get your way. That is not the way our government works. There are defined processes by which they go. And let's just uh, give a, an example of how this thing turn about, fair play kind of thing. When Obama and uh, Reed, Harry Reid in the Senate, uh, they, they dumped the idea of cloture, 60 votes being necessary to bring a vote to the floor. And it's like I said, you know what? You may think that, I mean, they may think they're getting, they cut a fat hog and they're going to get their way with this. It will be used against them. And it absolutely has been in bringing about the uh, judicial uh, nominees and the confirmation through the Senate when, when under Trump they ignored the cloture thing too. So it will flip on us. It will come about. We've got to use defined processes. And as President uh, Washington said, Make it an authentic act. You can't do things by guess and by golly. And virtually all of these solutions that are being out there, this idea of declaring martial law, there isn't a constitutional word about martial law. This idea, if Trump declares it, why couldn't some future president declare it? And martial law is military law. And that's what was unconstitutionally imposed upon the South during, I call it the deconstruction of the South, 
instead of the reconstruction of the South that the history books try and talk about it. They were oppressed by military rule, military tribunals, and, and if you want America to devolve into something like that, follow some of these paths. This is not the way to do it. There is still a pathway that the truth can be able to prevail, but people will have to stand tall in their oaths. And ultimately and finally, I mean, after you go through all the processes of challenges of electors and everything that's supposed to happen when Congress does open them, and it still can happen, but if we have a bunch of mamby-pamby, spineless individuals that are sitting in office, which i got to admit is pretty much the whole lot of them, there's probably a few rare exceptions, but if all you have in there is mamby-pamby, spineless political hacks, it's going to be a problem, but we, the, the electoral vote can still be challenged, and it's, there's a process by which that's done. And if nobody gets the full vote, it devolves to a one-state, one-vote kind of thing in the House for the president. All right, so let's, let's stop here for a second and say this. The first thing to do, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is to let the Electoral College vote for crying out loud, okay? We've had a cow since November 3rd. And legitimately, there has been problems, and I get the frustration and concern and worry in people's minds. I understand and agree with that. But I also say you can't try to circumvent the Electoral College as if it's already decided when it's not. Now, I know they say, well, the Electoral College is just going to vote for Biden. They might. They probably will. I get it. But you got to let that play out first. And when that happens, what's the next remedy? And the answer is we don't need to think outside the box to 96 crazy ideas that the president can stand on his head on the National Mall and shout edicts of truth or reality. That isn't how the system works, okay? We don't need to do all these shenanigans. What we need to do is follow the process, doctor. Indeed, and when, when, the, uh, when they are opened by the Senate, um, excuse me, in, in the joint uh, uh, of Senate and House with, uh, with Pence presiding, each one of those votes has the privilege of being challenged, and, and that, that triggers a debate in each of the respective houses over that. And the houses need to come back with a decision. Now, you may come back with a split decision, and if nobody can come up with the 270 votes, then it goes to the House, where the House then on one state, one vote. Now, here's the deal. Uh, there's uh, over half, and I don't remember the number because I think that the House is still a little bit in flux, but let's say it's 26, 27 of the states have a majority of Republicans that are sitting in the House of Representatives. And so those, if the Republicans stayed together and, and voted par- partisan-wise, those 26 votes, or 27, whatever it is, would probably vote for Trump. There's a, there's a succession process that the 20th Amendment allows to have happen that has been legislatively created. Do we need to take a break? I seem to be talking over the music. Yeah, you're doing perfect, sir. We'll take a quick break, come right back. I'm, everybody else is talking about all these crazy plans. Why don't we talk about the process and follow it? Is that crazy? I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. 
I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. So I'm proposing, ladies and gentlemen, we not put all these crazy ideas on the table like seceding from the Union, launching an Article 5 convention, having the president declare an edict, using executive orders, calling in the military, all these crazy ideas. Wait, hold, stop, hold on, people. Why don't we follow the process laid out in the supreme law of our land, doctor? Well, you know, there's, there's so many things in so little time, but if you look at Amendment 12, I mean, excuse me, 20, under Section 3, it talks about, uh, you know, well, first of all, it talks about the president becoming president on the 20th of January, okay? But if you get down to Section 3, if the president-elect have failed to qualify, well, let's, uh, let's go a sentence before. If the president shall not have been chosen before the time fixed for the beginning of the now, term. Now, let me stop you there for a second. So, ladies and gentlemen, they've anticipated if all the deadlines are broken or don't, you know, carry their their perspective responsibilities and everything breaks down then here's the founding father prescription okay understand well, this is not just a redneck we don't even know what to do now there's a plan for this doctor well there was but their original plan in 1792 i think was better than this one but let's just go with what they've amended the constitution to be because that is what's on the books right now so if the president hasn't been chosen by the beginning of the term of the president-elect shall have failed to qualify okay now then we can talk about qualifying and then my and by the way i think what you need to do is arrest joe biden for criminal activity and therefore as a criminal he wouldn't qualify he'd be a felon but that's another topic <laughs> that's another topic too but you can talk about uh, a constitutional qualification with the natural born citizen and all that kind of stuff uh, but uh, i'll maybe just touch on that with a sentence or two in just a minute. If the president-elect shall have failed to qualify, then the vice president-elect shall act as president until the president shall have qualified. Okay, hey, stop. Now, so Mike, we've already got the vice president, Mike Pence, in place, who can carry out those duties until this gets resolved. That's very well, simple and clear, right? But the fact of the matter is, there's going to be an effort to have the vice president that they think ought to be qualified, which would be Kamala Harris. But the fact of the matter is, my 
strongly held opinion is that in accordance with the American Founding Fathers' original intent with natural-born citizens, she does not qualify. Both her parents were not citizens of the United States when she was born in California. I believe it was 1964. But at any rate, the American Founding Fathers, in uh, their definition based upon the Law of Nations, which is written by Vattel and used by the founders when they wrote things, and based upon the uh, 1792 Citizenship or Naturalization Act, uh, the citizenship follows the parent. Okay, so Kamala Harris does not qualify according to the American founders. Now, we've had some a court case in 1982 called Plyler v. Doe, in which Brennan, uh, by a footnote, changed the original intent of the founding fathers. That's another discussion. But at any rate, going on here with the with the twentieth amendment. But but before we get there, really quick. So the, the number one, there's a lot of things along the way that have led us further and further and further from dealing with constitutional qualifications for someone to be president. We've uh, chipped away at that big time as well. Again, and the people have tolerated it. They should not have. They should be educated and say, uh, uh-uh, uh, there's a reason for this. Fidelity to uh, the greatest country on the face of the earth being paramount. Uh, nevertheless, that being set aside. Even if the uh, challenge goes to the vice president, the only vice president that's been elected right now is Mike Pence because Kamala Harris has not been elected. Even if the Electoral College votes in the affirmative, there's still not a completion there if it's challenged. That that is correct. And the challenging process begins at the opening of the, well, of course, there could have been before certification and everything before today when the electors voted. But in the voting, I mean, in the opening of those electors' votes, they can be challenged, and they're deferred to the House and the Senate in separate meetings to address those issues. They come back, and they bring their conclusion together. This can be an acrimonious and drawn-out kind of process, and it can go on for an extended period of time. And they, they look at the 20th Amendment and say, well, we're going to put the president in on the 20th day of January, but it says here in the third section, if that hasn't brought to that conclusion, then there is a process. Now, this is where we get to the Congress in the next sentence. The Congress may by law provide for the case where neither a president-elect nor a vice president-elect have qualified. So they haven't been voted, voted in declaring who shall then act as president. So by law, they've created a... Um, a presidential succession kind of thing. They call it the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, and uh, it, that has who takes charge of the existing people, and, and basically what it would boil down to is that um, Nancy Pelosi would be would resign as Speaker of the House. She would become president until there is a qualified president. Now, the law is very specific on the election, process. Now, of course, in the case of death and all this kind of stuff, there's a there's a process that goes into place, and, and we're, we're not talking about that right but, now. But we're let me be very clear election. to those who would riot about Pelosi and kind of have a cow about that, the conservatives among the group. Look, I'm not a fan of Pelosi, but I'm telling you right now, I have a lot more comfort in the process, even if Nancy Pelosi does get to that spot via the process, than I do these random proposals for solutions outside of that. Because if we stick with the process, we have checks and balances so far as they have not disassembled them uh, to make sure that no one grabs too much power. And that's the whole reason that I keep harping on this, because every other plan, once you take it outside of the prescribed prescription or subscribed prescription here, you get into a, a scenario where all bets are off and who does what. 
You give somebody too much power, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. If you use the process, you still have a handle on the power grab, right? Well, and, and what a lot of people are proposing, and this is kind of a visual, and it's kind of crude maybe, is that they're going to run down the hallway and throw hand grenades in each door they pass and, and hope they come up with something good. And it's it's not the way to come up with something good. So there is a defined process, the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, and it says that the House Speaker will take over. And then there's a, another sequence of, you know, the pres- Senate President Pro Tem and everything like that. But while they're waiting for that, there, there's this issue of of uh, the House would ultimately have to vote by state. So, so the state would say, in Utah, for example, I can assure you that it would go to Donald Trump because Utah has four congr- congressional offices, but only one vote can be given. So now let's be very clear. This, this winner-take-all is what allows one vote to be given now to where the states are treated with equality here. Even though Utah only has four and California may have whatever number, 50 plus. It has 53 members of the House. Okay, so 53. They'll get one so vote. they'll get one, we'll get one. This is a way of equalizing. Again, this is where the checks and balances do its very best. Is it perfect? No. But it does its very best to truly align fairly uh, power amongst the big and the small. Okay, and, and this, this is really critical done. to understand. It was purposely done, but it's critical to understand these checks and balances because that's what takes us away from the democracy status. That's what takes us away from somebody grabbing too much power. Otherwise, California declares the president, right? Okay, so we've got to have a balance here, and this is where this brilliance, and this is why I continue to say we have got to follow the process and stick to the pattern, Doctor. No question. And, and originally, going back to the 1787 time frame, of Virginia and, and uh, New York, the two biggest population states with the most footprint, if you will, were going to run everything. None of the other states would have come in. This was stuff that said, no, 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 wait a minute. We, we are a constitutional republic. It's a federation, but it's a national government. They're, they vary based upon where the power is assigned. But the fact of the matter is, the other states would have said, no, we're not coming in when Virginia and New York are going to run over us every time we look around. So all of this stuff was by design. But when the, when the states end up voting, ultimately, one state, one vote, and then the, that'll choose the president, ultimately. And if the Senate ends up voting, also one state, one vote, they're going to choose the vice president. Now, that, if, if, this, if this election in Georgia is critical, because if, if it, the Democrats take the majority in, in the Senate, they'll probably put Joe Biden in as the president. And if the, if the Republicans take it, they probably, excuse me, the vice president, if, if the Republicans take the Senate and it goes to this point, the Republicans in the Senate, the majority vote, will probably put Trump in. Which is a rather interesting thing if they if they if it went something different in the House, you know. So I mean, I kind of made a leap there. If if Trump did not get in because some untoward thing that happened in the election in the House, and they let's say they put Biden in, well, the Senate, if it had the majority of the senators uh, were Republican, they'd probably put Trump in, and that'd be a replay of the <laughs> of the thing that uh, Adams and and. Um, Jefferson played out in the in the third term of the first part of the nation's presidencies. At any rate, so there is a process defined, and people need to go out and review the, these presidential succession acts, and they need to understand there is a defined process. It may be faulty, but it is there, 
and it is what we have, and throwing hand grenades in different rooms as you run down the hall is not going to come out with a good solution. And when you say it may be faulty, it's your way of saying it's not perfect, and I understand right. that. However, I submit to you that it's a lot less perilous to go down that defined process with checks and balances uh, using the consent of the governed as the model. Uh, we're way less faulty there than we are with any other plan I've seen being put forward. Remember that. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. New incriminating information into Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden's son. According to Saturday's New York Post report, Hunter Biden received nearly $500,000 to sit on the board of a Ukrainian gas company, Burisma. But the money was never disclosed in his 2014 tax return. The Justice Department's investigation into Hunter, which has been ongoing since 2018, despite President-elect Joe Biden's claim there was no investigation. An armed gunman was fatally shot by the New York Police Department on Sunday after he began firing indiscriminate rounds during a Christmas concert outside a church in New York City. No one else was hurt. China is days away from becoming the third country to bring moon rocks back to Earth. China's state news agency announced Sunday that the country's lunar probe, Chang'e 5, had completed its second orbital maneuver and began to slingshot back to Earth. The craft is expected to land in China's Inner Mongolia region later this week. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. The Cleveland Indians are making a change after 105 years. USA Radio News' Dan Naraki fills us in. The Cleveland Indians will be changing their nickname. According to a report from the New York Times, the club could announce the change as soon as this week. The franchise has been known as the Indians since 1915, going by the Naps, the Bronchos, and the Blues since their founding in 1901. The change comes more than two years after the club began to distance itself from the Chief Wahoo logo that had been labeled insensitive to indigenous peoples. Cleveland becoming the latest sports team to change a nickname that's been the target of accusations of racism. Washington's NFL franchise announced back in January it would drop its former moniker. The change will reportedly go into effect for the 2021 MLB season. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. An announcement on the change is expected this week. The woes continue for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sunday night football last night, the Buffalo Bills beat the Steelers 26-15. to this is USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm submitting to you that, yeah, you know what? The current plan by the Founding Fathers, it is the supreme law. Let's be very clear about that, number one. Number two, it's been time-tested for decades and longer, and it isn't perfect. But I submit to you that at least <clears throat> it seeks to control power and prevent individuals and or groups or whatever from having too much power. And at least there's a process in place that's been time-tested and thought through by the Founding Fathers with the same problems we face today. They understood it. And you know what? It may not be perfect, but it's better than any other plan. Any other plan completely takes us outside of a proper process and puts us in unknown territory instantly. And I submit to you that's fraught with peril. Doctor? Okay, I'm in the... uh... Uh, 1947 Succession Act, and, and I'll just quote directly from it. If by reason of death, resignation, removal from office, inability, or failure to qualify, there is neither a president nor vice president to discharge the powers due to the officer president, then the Speaker of the House of Representatives shall, upon his resignation, in this case it would be a female resignation, as Speaker and as Representative of Congress, act as president. And we jump down a couple of other sentences. If... <clears throat> If his discharge of the duties and, and powers of the office is found in whole or in part on the failure of both the president-elect and vice president-elect to qualify, then he shall only act until a president or vice president qualifies. Okay, so, so Pelosi's not in forever, if that's the case. We've got to go, go through the process, and, and, uh, and really the only thing constitutionally defined is the 20th of January when they should have a, def, a you know, a, a solution. But if we don't qualify by then, according to the, to the 20th Amendment, then we've got this legislatively created succession process that goes into, but it's only until they finally make a selection. So this could be drawn on for a, even a more extended period of time. But it's, it's like I go back, you know me, I go back and look at the history and figure that there's some things to be learned there. When, when there was this, all this acrimony about if Jefferson or Burr was going to be elected president on this first go-around after the Adams presidency, they went on and on and on and on. I've reviewed all of the letters that, uh, that Jefferson wrote during that period of time. And, and not all of them are about what's going to happen with the election, but in, in no instance do I find him hyperventilating about the Constitution's going to unravel, we're never going to have the nation again, and blah, 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 blah. And he's very nonplussed about it. It's basically, oh, hum, I guess they're going to figure this out sooner or later. And they did, and the nation continued. And in those days, the nation was very young. It was not nearly as soundly founded, perhaps, if you will, with experience and and. Uh, uh, this all of this well-established process, you know, that uh, that had is in place. Um, so here we go. Let's go back to the Declaration. Prudence, indeed, Declaration of Independence. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. Okay, so mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they're accustomed. What we're having here now is is something that's been long established. It's it's something that's, we've found it to be durable. And now there's a lot of people that are, figuratively speaking, talking about running down the hall, throwing hand grenades in each room they pass. And and Jefferson captured this in the Declaration of Independence, saying, you know, it's, it's not a good idea to throw things off just because. 
And uh, at the point that they had come to in this Declaration of Independence in 1776 was we've tried everything that needed to happen. And we have this tyrant king that, uh, you know, has 27 offenses that are each one worthy of rebellion. But you know what? We aren't at that point in this nation. We still have In fact, have let's be clear. Foundation. We're not even close to that point if we take our responsibilities in the checks and balances seriously. Uh, when they asked what kind of government we have, they said it was a constitutional republic. You have a republic if you can keep it. We need to talk about morality in the people. We need to talk about letting the process unfold. My headline for this whole thing, after all these different proposals, from petitions to declaring martial law to, um, you know, executive orders to, uh, you know, all the insurrection. To, okay, what about this headline? The supreme law of our land, the U.S. Constitution, already has a plan, an established process in place. Can we please just follow it? That's my headline, Doctor. <laughs> well, I've been pleading with people to do that for decades. But the ignorance of we the people has, has led to this complicit situation where I think ignorant people uh, vote in ignorant representatives. And uh, sadly, I believe that very often those that hold office are the least qualified to do so. I mean, I look at the noble... Um, efforts in the beginning. I mean, they picked George Washington because he was this consummate leader, magnificent, would never abuse power kind of guy. And, and the Electoral College worked. They elected him unanimously twice because they saw in him that kind of, of leader, of, of quality of a man and everything like that. And we have been electing lessers for so long, it's absolutely astonishing. We People that do the lesser of two evil things, you know, I mean, they're still evil. And, and, and we have come to the point, sadly, in America, where the people care so little. I mean, they claim to care. I mean, you have passionate people marching in the streets, but they couldn't find a clause in the Constitution. They don't even know what a clause is in the Constitution, most of them. They don't know that that is what everyone takes an oath to uphold. I took an oath. I've never held office. Um, but they, I've, I took an oath when I was 18 years old to uphold the United States Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. There's no expiration date on that. It's something that you take for life. You don't, you know, when you take the uniform off, you say, oh, okay, well, I don't care about this country anymore or whatever. No, this has been a passion that should be with all of us. Now, government should not be central in our lives, but we must have enough government to make sure that justice is done, that this this. The definition of welfare, promote the general welfare, found in both the preamble and in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Welfare is not redistributing wealth. It's not anything whatsoever to do with the, the dole or anything like that. The way the founders defined welfare, it was predictable and it was stable. So we had a government. The idea was to make it predictable and stable. There's no foreign... Uh, uh, intervention or invasion. There's no domestic violence or, or unrest. There's not supposed to be an economic upheaval because we've got a Federal Reserve in there. We had sound money. Uh, they knew that courts would, would adjudicate justly. That's what they were seeking. And Americans have turned the welfare clause into a, a redistribution of wealth instead of what it was originally intended to be, this stable, predictable government where, you know, a guy and a gal could get married and start a family put their farm up or, or they could they could do a grocery store or they could maybe become a you know a 
Teamster, whatever they wanted to do, because they knew that whatever they did, the government would allow justice to happen and it would not interfere or destroy. That's where government fits. It's not to become the knows all, ends all, bees all, where entitlements, for example, the national government take almost a third, oh, two, excuse me, two thirds of every penny that comes into the nation because now we're redistributing our wealth and, and it's become unstable and unpredictable because of that. And, and what we have now with our election is because we've abandoned that stable, predictable process by which the founders were hoping that we and our posterity can enjoy our liberty. It, it's a travesty and a tragic situation that we've allowed to happen. And we, the people, have got to become more involved and engaged in understanding in order to preserve it. And people need to understand this. I know everybody says, yeah, I know, Sam, I agree with you. In general, you're right. But right now we're in a panic. Right now we're in a crisis. Right now we've got an emergency. Right now we've got to... We got to do something different. Once things calm down, Sam, then your idea is a good one, and we could certainly go there and talk about it, Sam. After this election, after this emergency, and I submit to you that this plan, these processes, were put in place for—I wouldn't call it emergency—but for such situations. Okay, the remedy was designed for these situations. We are not in a panic. We are not in an emergency. The biggest emergency, in my opinion, is to stop, to some degree evil people, and to another degree, well-meaning people, uh, from doing more damage by jettisoning the process too early. Jettisoning the process for what they see as, what, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence idea? Okay, we have got to settle down a minute and say, hold on, this is not a crisis if we follow the plan, if we allow the process, the supreme law of the land process, I might add, to work, doctor. You know, it, it's interesting to me that, you know, first of all, we're going to reuse whatever we do now to, to our detriment later on when somebody else comes to power that maybe is less honorable. But let's talk about this for a second. I don't know how many have done any hunting or anything like that. But normally, if, let's say, a pheasant or a rabbit gets under pressure and they panic, it's the wrong thing to do, and they end up having a problem getting killed with the, by the hunter. What, bad decisions are made when the panic mode is, is, the button is pushed. Stop panicking, take a deep breath, a chill pill, and start acting like adults that have an already defined plan. And, adult, and adults that rabbit. have sacred respect for that plan that has served us for over 200 years, providing more freedom to more people than anywhere. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. What do they say? An ounce of prevention better than a pound of cure? Ladies and gentlemen, what the mainstream press and what bureaucrats are doing, and well-meaning sometimes, but ignorant, uh, as well as evil people, are really trying to create a panic in the people, ladies and gentlemen. And what we need to do is understand the uh, supreme law of our land. It already has a plan. It already has a process. Let's spend a whole lot more time understanding and learning about and applying the process than thinking up alternative ways. We don't want the president to gain too much power. I get that it's Trump and you think he's a good guy and you think he can do no wrong and you think that he'll go ahead and just you know use that power with, with circumspect fidelity and carefulness and, and caution, and, but it'll be used again against you. Do not grant that kind of power to the president. We have no business granting executive orders. We had no business with the commander in chief, you know, subscribing them or the military into this thing. What we need to do is settle down. We don't need to write a new plan. We don't need that. Okay. We just need to simply follow the process and we don't need panic in the people. And I believe that ignorance and apathy is what's creating panic in the people. They don't realize that the founding fathers already anticipated this and laid out the way to go. Let's just follow it, ladies and gentlemen. That's my advice to all the folks that are coming out this weekend with solution after solution, after idea, after idea, after idea. None of their ideas have been tried or tested. None of their ideas have passed muster with stability or been uh, put into place by uh, appropriate legislative reality. Okay, none of them. And and so I I appreciate everybody's attempts, and I get their concern, and I get their worry, and I get their their panicked uh, reactions. But let's not react. Let's act with intention based on the supreme law, doctor. You know, I'll give you an example or two. Um, uh, you know, I know time is always short, but but the fact of the matter is, um, let, let's just take a quick example of habeas corpus. Habeas corpus is Article One, Section Nine. That's you know the the idea you can't be arrested and not have you know uh, hearing to see if there's cause for you being held. You know, and and the the idea of uh, of that was was a keystone in us. You know, the king used to lock people up and leave them there forever, but the founding fathers said, no, no, that can't happen. And, you know, it's an it's it's a congressional, it's a legislative power found in Article One. Okay, well, in night in in the during the Civil War, so called, not very civil, and so on. Uh, the idea that that the president could could suspend habeas corpus occurred. Lincoln suspended habeas corpus. 
and and he did it unconstitutionally. And by the way, shame I mean, on him for doing it. Absolutely, absolutely, it was done improperly, and this is this is one of the big problems that's continued forward. Well, wh- why I bring this one up is the fact that uh, that. The, you know the Supreme Court said, "No, you can't do that. It's a legislative power." And and uh, and so, what did the legislature do? These fools, I could say it more strongly, in Congress, said, "Oh, well, we'll just delegate that authority to the president. Then it's ours, and we'll give it away." No, you can't do that. Constitutional protocol says, if the people, by their consent, gave you through the Constitution the power to do something, it may not be redelegated to anybody else, not to a president, not to a it can't go to a foreign power under a treaty. It can't do anything. You hold it, you use it, or you don't as a legislature. But that's not what happened during the Civil War. These fools in Congress delegated to the president, again, unconstitutionally, so it really wasn't. But the president continued to use that as President Lincoln and continued to do dastardly things in this country. But after the war was over, it all went away. What happened in 1871? Huh. The president there decided, well, this is a presidential power now. Is The habeas corpus suspension things have continued to be considered to be part of the presidential powers now because some fools in Congress unconstitutionally did something. It will be wrongly used. If you start saying, oh, we're going to call out the, the tanks on the streets and, and with, this is a good cause and as we talked about earlier, how President Washington in his farewell address said, don't do things that way. Do it through an authentic act of the whole people if you've got to change it, if something's wrong. But don't do it by guess and by golly. Well, if the president calls tanks onto the streets or whatever, however people invasion this thing, some president at some point will say, like we've been lied to, weapons of mass destruction, the 9-11 thing, the Kennedy assassination, almost everything that comes out is somehow spun with a falsehood to get us all... You look at the uh, uh, the bombs that have gone off in Syria that brought us into the Syrian war that were probably uh, false flag operations that, that they were tr- attempting to drag the United States into the war, and it was successfully done in, to some degree. These things we find out later are lies. There were no weapons of mass destruction under Saddam and or Saddam Hussein, <laughs> or whatever they call him. And even, if, no, and even if there were, we have a supreme law process of how we should go about it, even exactly. so. Exactly. But, but no, no, they whipped the people into a frenzy. They're beating the war drums. I mean, remember the main. I mean, you look at how many times this has been uh, used. I mean, fortunately, with Lusitania, we didn't just jump right into World War I, but that was an attempt to bring the United States into World War I. Look at Pearl Harbor, That's that what happened there as baiting that was carried out at the highest levels of this nation. We have been sucker punched so many times, and if you get scared, like these scared rabbits or pheasants I mentioned earlier, and, and if they, they rabbit, they run, whatever, at the wrong time, they end up, you know, losing it. So, so what we've got to do is take a deep breath. We've got to look at our back trail. If you get lost, sit down, look back, assess your tools and, and your resources, and, and we have some magnificent tools and resources as a nation. We have a back trail. It's well marked. We can find our way back to home base, if you will. But if all we're going to do is rabbit every time somebody pushes a panic button, and, and by the way, the whole COVID thing, I think, was, uh, was completely orchestrated, in part at least, 
to, to build fear and doubt and anguish and, and hopelessness and despair in the nation. And then they changed by executive order and court order the, uh, the process by which electors are selected. I mean, all of this stuff, it mushrooms as we lose our sanity. And we, the people, have become stupidly involved in things, and we've played into the hands of the, those that are waiting there to, to pick us off, if you will, from our liberty. Now, I'm submitting to you that all the proposals that I'm hearing are bogus. I don't mean to be offensive to a lot of good patriots who mean well, but I submit to you we need to do two things, Doctor. Well, three, really. One, we need to have morality back in the people, and we need to repent as a people and turn to our God. But, but, but that's a given. But the two political things we need to do right now is, one, use the supreme process. It's already there. Let's not panic. You don't need to think of other plans. The Electoral College hasn't even voted yet. Okay? And once they do, if they vote wrongly, we can challenge that. There's a process. So let's not panic and run off the rails. The second thing we can and need to do is if there's criminal activity at the highest levels of our government, we need to prosecute that criminal activity to the fullest extent of the law. Okay, we need to have an appropriate trial. We need to have appropriate due process. Again, there's a plan there also. But if we steadily pursue those two things, we don't have a panic situation at all. And half the people that we're concerned they're going to be taking over power won't be because they'll be in jail. Okay, and, and you know what? We need to pursue these criminal activities. And if, if I'm wrong and, the, and there's due process that says, hey, they're not guilty, then fine. But we need to pursue that. And if Joe Biden has committed criminal acts, we need to try him on those and prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. Same with Kamala Harris. Same with Hunter Biden. Same with Hillary and Bill Clinton. Same with Barack Obama. If he spied on the uh, Trump campaign, etc. But we're not pursuing any of those things either. We've got to create accountability, sir, and we've got to follow the process. And if we do those things, we wouldn't have panic in the country. Which media organization is going to lead out on this like Liberty Roundtable Live is, doctor? Anybody? Well, it's certainly not any of the lame brain major medias that are out there. And and I use that term lame brain uh, probably more lightly than I should. I mean, there there is an approved agenda. It's not just an agenda. It's a narrative. And, and whether it's the COVID narrative that has been promoted and, and, and in spite of the fact, okay, let's look at that for just a second and then this political thing. There are other reasoned, intelligent, very well-spoken subject matter experts that are out there that are not being heard. Now, for example, you've, you've you know advertised my website and stuff a few times in the process of this thing. My website has been under complete attack. I haven't looked this morning again, but... But I'm assuming that, again, it has been had the legs chopped out from underneath it. It's, it's not even available at this point. Uh, sometimes, uh, well, during the past week, I've had it up for a total of one day because there's a, there's a concerted assault on the messages that are out there. But, but the mainstream, the not just narrative, but uh, the, it's a script that's being used. And, and the other reasoned voices are being shut down. This is by design. This is in violation of everything Americanist, the, the hearing of other opinions. We've gone down that path with the COVID stuff, and, and it's proving more and more every day that we have been lied to again. And that's the same thing with this political process that we're facing today in the presidential selection process. We have been lied to so thoroughly that, that we have to be able to stand tall and educate ourselves and understand the baseline principles and organize and participate based upon 
upholding those standards. What do you think of my two proposals? I think they're good proposals. I truly do. And, and I hope that we'll be wise enough to follow them. I hope we don't rabbit and end up getting killed by the hunters that are waiting for the rabbit to panic, you know? So, the reason uh, that I pursue the two different channels that I do is, one, it appeals to the supreme law of our land and follows the process. Secondly, it, it does its very best to pull down power to bust up and shine the light on secret combinations uh, uh, that have gotten above the people and create accountability. If we do that, plus have morality in the people again, there's nothing that can stop us uh, from being the greatest country on the face of the earth, providing more liberty to more people in the history of the world than any other country. We can continue on that track, but if we don't do those three things, I'm telling you right now, I don't know that there's anything that can save us. Well, and that's uh, George Washington spoke of the fact in his, his, uh, in his inaugural address that public and private virtue would be the basis of our nation, both public and private. And as, as John Adams said, as we mentioned earlier, that uh, a religious and a moral people are required to have this. And we've strayed far, but I, I trust that there are good and moral people, religious people, godly people. And, and there's differences in belief systems and, you know, how to... You know, people believe, but, but religion and morality, and Jefferson spoke at length about this, and I know we're out of time, but, but he talked about those things that are common among all religions are what we've got to put our basis on. You know, this, this idea that, you know, uh, honor killings and all this kind of nonsense, that's not common to all religions. That's a criminal endeavor. So Sharia that's, law that's somebody who's, really be... That's somebody who's literally obliterating religion. Uh, shanghaiing the religion for their own belligerent attempts and purposes. They've done that in, under the name of Christians over the centuries as well. So let's jettison that. Let's understand the founding fathers got the point you're making. And that's why uh, Alex de Tocqueville or Alexis de Tocqueville basically said, Americans are great, or America's great because Americans are good. And he meant good as in moral people. And that's what we've got to return to. Ladies and gentlemen, don't fall for the panicked lies. They're established processes. Let's get on our knees and pray to God. Let's repent as a people and become moral again. Let's demand the process be followed uh, with regards to the president. And let's basically prosecute criminals to the fullest extent of the law. And I'm telling you, if we do those things, I think the world and the future looks fantastic for the greatest country on the face of the earth. For Dr. Scott Bradley, his website is freedomsrisingsun.com. Hopefully we can work out a way to have the thugs quit messing with it. we got to work on that with him. All right, uh, for Sam and Dr. Bradley, we declare this nation shall endure. Yeah.